Now that I'm seven weeks into self-isolation and I've pretty much figured out a workable daily routine, it's alleviated a little bit, just a little bit, of the anxiety, panic, and overall stress. I'm slowly getting back to spinning records, sifting through Spotify, playing guitar, watching television, and basically exhaling. That's not to say we're anywhere near the finish line of this weird world event, but at least while we all wait for the COVID crisis to pass, I won't be white-knuckling it all the way through. One of the things that has helped me cope, helped me forget about this situation, is doing this podcast. Going weekly was a very deliberate attempt to find something to divert my attention from the endless ticker tape of COVID updates. Legit COVID news, unfortunately, goes hand in hand with all the COVID gaslighting. That can be as stressful as the crisis itself. Paying attention to even 20% of the bullshit would still give you a dangerous cocktail of delusion, depression, and dashed hope. So instead, I'd rather concentrate on this podcast. It's a great way to stay in touch with friends, check up on friends, and a good reminder that no matter how frightening and lonely this all may seem, we are all frightened and lonely together. After immediate family members were taken care of, I started to snoop around via texts, emails, and phone calls to various friends. I'm sure you did that too. It even got me reconnected with people I hadn't spoken to in a long time. If there's a bright side to all this, I've been reminded that there are a lot of good, grounded, wise, very cool people out there that I can call a friend. Almost 90 days ago, we played at Gallagher's Pub in Huntington Beach, the last night of a four-night California run with Junkyard, and that show, as I'm recording this, remains the last show we played. If this crisis plays out the way it's looking, this will be the longest stretch of time we've gone without playing a gig in our band's 24 years. I've never been this long without stepping on a stage. It's not a first-world problem, it's my bread and butter, and it's definitely an odd, uncharted feeling. That night, after the show, I chatted with some nice people who showed up to the gig, chatted with the Mono Deluxe guys, met Jerry Montano, said our goodbyes to the junkyard dudes, and remember very distinctly watching Ace Von Johnson walk out the door at the end of the night. Through this crisis, I've been watching how others are dealing through social media platforms, and it has been of some comfort. For example, I saw Ace gather supplies before locking down. I saw Ace at home during lockdown spinning records and hanging with his dog. I saw Ace get frustrated pining for sushi, tacos, and blueberry pancakes. I'm not stalking him, but I think Ace is all of us during this lockdown. And again, despite it being a shitty situation, it's reassuring to know we're kind of all in this together doing the exact same shit. When he's not in lockdown, Ace is a double-duty workhorse. He plays guitar in Faster Pussycat and L.A. Guns. That's two of the five bands from the second wave of 80s L.A. bands, which ain't too shabby, if you ask me. The other three being Jet Boy, Poison, and of course, Guns N' Roses. I'm fascinated and a fan of that era of music, and Ace is in the thick of it. Aside from playing in these legendary groups, he's a dog guy. His AVJ Rescue Dog Instagram account is a page set up for people who are looking to foster or even adopt rescue dogs. As a rescue dog owner myself, I 100% back this page. So yeah, there are several areas of common ground we have. This chat here is only a snippet of our conversation. I had to chop down all the COVID talk because really this podcast is meant for listeners to forget about the current crisis, not be reminded of it, or even worse, go into panic mode. There's still a little bit of COVID talk left in, but trust me, there was way more talk like, you know, contactless grocery shopping. So yeah, I took a lot out. And there was even more talk that will never see the light of day. I mean, so much that I Forgot to even ask him how he got the Faster Pussycat gig or how he got the LA Guns gig. But I guess, you know, as isolation continues, it feels better just to gab and gossip. No worries, that just means Ace has to come back onto the podcast for a part two. If you like what you're hearing, if you want to keep hearing it, all I ask is for you to like, download, and subscribe 
this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify. A nice rating wouldn't hurt either. Whatever the case, I'm just glad you're listening now. Let's start this one. Ace Von Johnson is this episode's guest, and it starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around. Nick Flynn and Kidd is Tango's crew. I'm still over free. I'm still glad I like to sometimes. Get me in from fuck down. Stop playing hang down. There's only one podcast to listen to in this world. And that's the Tango Joe's podcast. Don't be a dick. Don't be an ass. Just listen to the Danko Jones Podcast! Sometimes Danko goes on and on about Glenn Danzig. The guy just loves Glenn Danzig. And I love that kind of passion, and, and that's why I love listening to Danko speak. Well, truth be told, I love that Danzig song, Mother. I like that too. Thank God for the Danko Jones Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good, all things considered. How are you? Good. I think the last time I saw you is when I saw anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that scary? <laughs> It is. It's uh, our last show is Huntington Beach, and uh, you were there. Yeah. And we uh, had a great night. I thought it was a lot of fun. Good way to yeah. end the little tour thing we did with Junkyard, and and that was it. And then you walked. I saw you leave the club, and that was it. Super punk rock, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> as 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 punk as sports barry as a punk rock show can get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Huntington Beach definitely has both those things in spades. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a two worlds mixing together. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so how have you been keeping up during uh, self-isolation? I know I was watching your Instagram story as you were stocking up for supplies. So I've been following you from the get-go of this. Yeah, you know, I, I'm fine with where we're at today you know, April 21st, whatever time o'clock. But uh, there's definitely been a few days where I, early on where, you know, I got people feeding me, you know, the dude, martial law's coming, man. You better you better get weapons and stock up, bro, martial law. And uh, so it's kind of easy to succumb to some of that sometimes. But, I mean, I'm not really stocked up. I just was kind of like, well, you know. I better have like an extra box of granola bars and an extra case of water. You know, it's not like I, uh, I don't have like a, a bunker in the desert like Jizzy Pearl does. Or... Really? He does? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, uh, no doomsday prepping here, my friend. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, with, with the scenario we were given initially, you know, I, I, I I could see why that's the norm, although I don't understand why I can't seem to obtain paper towels but whatever yeah that was crazy like at first it was toilet paper and then now it seems to be paper towels are out over yeah. here too really are you yeah. guys experiencing the same sort of weird shortages of stuff um yeah but it it's in cycles i think so like two weeks ago it was um toilet paper and then this past week, it's been paper towels that have been out and floor cleaner. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't get floor cleaner fucking either. I, my dog got a mess on the kitchen here the other day, and I was like, oh, I'm almost out of Clorox, Clor you know, just Clorox bleach spray, like the kind of thing you'd go pick up at any store anywhere, and yeah. I can't get it anywhere, can't get it online. Uh, I did a big pickup of floor cleaner yesterday at the Home Depot. Because they're the only ones who had it, so. Really, I yeah. should probably swing by. I should probably make a stop over there and get a few things. But I'm real hesitant, obviously, to leave the house unless oh, yeah. I absolutely have to. Sort of getting around it by uh, either like ordering large amounts of delivery food and like, yeah. yeah, like oh, I'll just order five days worth of 
sushi and just stick it in the fridge. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Or like, I just got a ton of pizza delivered and I've been eating it for like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I feel like a ninja turtle. I'm having like a slice for every meal. And then, uh, and then but with like Amazon and stuff, I'll just get some, some Amazon pantry or whatever the hell it's called and a big box will show up and I'll just have what I need. And yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty much down to just leaving the house aside from walking the dog, you know, 45 minutes or so a day, uh, around the hood, um, maybe once a week. So, you know, trying to do the best I can. But listen, man, like this is like, this isn't the reason why I brought you on. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the fucking Danko Jones, Ace Von Johnson, COVID-19, uh, symposium. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) but, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, you know, we, we're, we all are feeling all down because of this and, you know, our respective bands are kind of on ice right now. But one of the first bands that I heard that, you know, kind of canceled a tour was was your band. Fast, one of your bands, Faster Pussycat, had to put their uh, your UK tour on ice right when yeah, we were, yeah. we were about to decide whether or not to put our UK tour on ice. And I used, I think it was Tammy's tweet, and, and I sent it to our guys as well. Really? That's interesting to know. Uh, yeah, Pussycat pulled the UK tour, which I wasn't going to be doing anyhow, but uh, they pulled that. I, I'm, I'm still, for all intents and purposes, I'm still pretty much in the band. I just uh, kind of stepped down from touring with them about, God, I don't know, August. Um, but because uh, I, you know, for a multitude of reasons, but mostly because I just was so busy with LA Guns. Right. But, um yeah, I saw that coming just because I speak to everyone in that band on pretty much a every other day basis. But uh, yeah, and and the same thing happened with LA Guns. I'm supposed to be uh, mm-hmm. considering I don't even know what freaking day it is anymore. I think I'm <laughs> supposed to be on the road with LA Guns right now. Uh, well, and, we were uh, supposed to play a show a week apart in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in like, was it like Arhus? Yeah, Arhus. Yes. Yeah, that's where Tra- and that's where Tracy Guns lives now. That's so crazy. I did not know. Yeah, his wife is um, Danish, and yeah. so he's got a place up here, right by me, uh, walking distance up in the hills. And then uh, he met a woman. They fell in love and got married and had a baby. And now he's got dual citizenship, and he currently is in Arhus, uh, Denmark. It's not the worst place to be in the world these days or any day. I mean, Denmark is beautiful. I, what little time I've spent there, I thought it was gorgeous, but he's just, he is in awe. He loves it. So I'm, I mean, I'm happy for him on all respects, but it seems like a great place to be, uh, especially under the current circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's now, is it, can you rename it Aarhus guns? (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, Denmark is a, I love Denmark. It's a wonderful country and I love Copenhagen oh, and yeah. I mean, Tracy must, yeah. And I've seen his photos on Instagram. It's picturesque and, you know, given that you and I are in, in the thick of it in a, in huge cities, Yeah, it's not bad not being on top of one another right now, you know? No. Well, it's funny. I actually, um, you know, I'm like I said, I'm in the dead center of Hollywood here. And yeah. at the beginning of January, before any of this really kicked up, uh, as we know now, I I was determined to move to Nashville bef- before May. So oh, wow. there's part of me that's like, man, I wish I had kind of pulled the trigger on that. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there's part of me that's just like, God, could you imagine if I was moving in the middle of this? Yeah. Or, you know, shuttling back and forth or whatever. So. And with the way things are here, at least in Los Angeles, um, you know, they can't they can't evict anyone. I'm still paying rent, you know, for the time being. Obviously, I have no intention of not doing so. But, uh, you know, I'm like, well, you know, at least I know my rent's not going to be altered for the next 12 months. So for the time being, I'm just staying where I'm at. Yeah, you know, I think that's the best move. But eventually you will end up in Nashville. Is that it? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I want to, I just really want to go somewhere where the amount of money that it costs me to uh, rent a one bedroom apartment 
in Hollywood could get me a two or three bedroom house anywhere, some huge major city. And, uh, I feel like I could probably get a, a little place within 10 miles of downtown Nashville for what I'm paying here. And I only really picked Nashville because there's, it's obviously become such a music hub, but more importantly, I didn't want to move somewhere where I didn't know anyone. And gradually over the last 10 years, a substantial portion of my social circle or friends or whatever you want to call it have all gone there. So every time I'm in Nashville, I, I'm in a bar or a club or a rock show and I'm like, I'm like, Danko, what are you doing here? And you're like, oh, I live here now. So it's just become the kind of thing where I'm like, well, if I'm going to go somewhere else, because I'm a native Angelino, I'm from here. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is all I know. So if I'm going to move somewhere else, it's got to be somewhere where I'm going to have a, 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 a clique or a family or whatever, you know. Well, Tony Higby's uh, in Nashville, right? Is that? Yeah, the- yeah. He's part of he's part of that uh, contingent for me. And it's mm. I, when I go out there, I stay at his house. I mean, he's, you know. Hell, it's his fault that I know you. Or actually... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Tony's got such a an ear for Canadian music. It's hilarious how much he knows about Canadian music, more so than, I think, your average Canadian rock fan. Yeah, so. well, he's 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 an audiophile. I mean, he's just so into, um, you know, constantly turning me on to stuff. Um you know, in the in the rock realm, and uh, God, who did he take me to see? Uh, Big Wreck. Yeah, he loves yeah. Big Wreck. Yeah, I, I I really like Big Wreck too. Yeah, and and the singer had a solo thing, Thornley. Is that yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and I had a sound guy a lifetime ago that used to. What is it called when they blast the PA before you do anything? Oh right. Um like cl- clean out the system or whatever the oh, hell it's called. Got it. Yeah. I'm not on tour. So I've all that yeah, vocabulary. Let's, let's not even go there. But <laughs> the guy blast this Thornley song. And at first I was like, what is this stupid new metal shit you're playing? And then by the third listen, I was like, man, this is a really great song. And now I'm like a fan. And then at one point Higby, uh, who I'm sure will hear this. Hi, Tony. He was like, oh, big wreck. And I put the two together and I was like, oh, man. And he, he dragged me to see them here in L.A. about six months ago. And I, and now I'm like a super fan, too. So uh, and, and similar it would just with you, too. I mean, I don't want to fanboy on you, my friend. But, he, you know, I knew a few of your songs and I was like, yeah, Danko Jones. Fuck yeah. And he took me him and Don Jameson took me to your guys show at the Viper Room. What, like two years ago, three years oh, ago? Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. And I was, you know, again, I'm not going to fillet you here on your show, but I was like, <laughs> holy shit, you know, just the energy. And they were like, do you want to come to the Brick by Brick show in San Diego? I was like, Fuck, yeah, I do. Yeah, let's go. And then you changed the set for us because we all rolled down. And, and I was like, man, and we had already talked, you know, we'd done the, the um, Three's Company podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then I was like, well, this is weird because now I went to the merch table and dropped like 50 bucks and like, you know, like, and, and by the way, thank you so much for that package, uh, uh, recently too, man. That's super kind of you, but. Oh, no problem. And I'm glad it came before this COVID shutdown. Oh yeah. Cause the mail system now is screwed, but long story short, Tony turned me on to you guys like respectfully. And now I'm a huge Denko fan. So, oh. uh, maybe I should be interviewing you. I don't know, bro. <laughs> Well, I mean, but didn't we, you mentioned before that we played a show together. Was it at the Knitting Factory years ago? Yeah, it was a lifetime ago. This was like maybe seven, six. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was a a air quote festival. And I was playing with, you know, know, Dwayne Peters, U.S. Bomb, skater guy, whatever. Yeah, that's who we played with. Yeah. So that was my band. It was the Dwayne Peters Gunfight. And, right. uh, and I, I worked yeah. with Dwayne off and on for about eight years, like all, basically all of my twenties. And, uh, and, uh, which this, that's a whole other thing, but I had just got a black Explorer and you came out and, and it was like the, my first show to play it. And you just destroyed the show in a good way. And you had your Explorer. And I was like, <laughs> this motherfucker comes out. <laughs> And kicks ass and has the same guitar as me. I was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I just remember being like, these guys get it. I, and I didn't know much about you guys. I mean, again, what was that, like 2006? Um, uh, I, I remember the show because um, Jen from the uh, Jenna Torturers was out yeah. on the show. And it was with Dwayne Peters. And we played with, I think it's, um, there's another band. They were on Side One Dummy. I just remember uh, the drummer had the, these like see-through drums. Gosh, I wonder who that was because yeah. I was on Side One Dummy for about a year. You weren't uh, in that band if you were the Dwayne Peters band, unless you were doing double duty that day. Which is possible because I can't. At one point, I was in thirteen bands for like a <laughs> solid year around then. Uh, but uh, it, you know, the only well, the band I was in that was on Side One was Madcap, and I don't think we were on that show. No, it wasn't Madcap. It was, and the one of them had a mohawk. I remember that. Gosh, I don't remember. The show was okay, but you guys were great. And uh, that was the first time I really, I think I really heard of the band. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah, so we, there's some technically some history there. There is. Yeah. And then, and then again, we, uh, we hooked up uh, later through Tony and Don. Yeah, 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 and I'm ha- I'm happy to have because it, it's great, man, and 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 the band's awesome. So, but this um, this thing with um, uh, L.A. Guns is a is a recent thing for you. You recently joined yeah, L.A. Guns, like in the last two years or something. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think August is two years for me. So coming up on on that, and uh, and it's it's great, man. I, I I love Tracy to death. I love Phil to death. All my guys, Johnny, my bass player. And I go way back about um, maybe about 16 or 17 years. I think I met him when I was about 20, 21. And then uh, um, Scott Coogan, our drummer, too. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that's played for everybody. He played for Ace Freely, played for Lita Ford. Uh, he was in Blue Man Group for a while. Uh, probably a ton of stuff I can't think of. But it's definitely a really great band um phil lewis you know the singer is a, a legend you know that band girl with phil collin from def leppard and mm-hmm. he was in torme with bernie torme and uh and and you know phil's in his early 60s now which i don't think is a secret and and we talk you know as he's english we talk about i'm a big uh punk rock guy in, in my, my roots at least as i'm sitting here wearing a subhuman shirt right and uh and i would pick his brain about like Gen X and 78 and like seeing the damned in 79 and you know, the buzzcocks in 82 and all this stuff. And he loves to gab about it. So it's, it's, it's really a cool, um, family vibe. I'm sure you can relate where it's just like, you're just happy to be around these people that you're working with, you know? Yeah. It seems like a pretty, uh, solid crew now. I mean, I know LA guns has gone through different, Oh, sorted history. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Trying to be nice, yeah. But uh, it seems like Phil and Tracy are together on this, and yeah, it's 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 great that you are a part of this. This is amazing. I mean, the L.A. Guns. I mean, such a yeah. legendary band. It's amazing. I mean, I met Tracy years and years ago. He would never remember, but while he was doing Brides of Destruction. He may, you know what, TG's got a pretty good memory, uh, and he probably remembers, but I know he's a fan, because we've talked about you, like, probably more times than I would admit, but I, I wasn't he tweeting at you, like, bro, we should do a tour, or something like that, or did well, I make that up? No, I mean, we tweet each other now, and we like and retweet each other, it's, it's to me, it's just another insane, surreal thing for me, as, as a fanboy, um, yeah. I think the first time Tracy Guns liked a tweet of mine, I actually like delved into that. <laughs> I was like, "Who's this guy impersonating Tracy Guns?" Oh, it's That's Tracy Guns! Oh my god, it's the real deal. Yeah, yeah. it's he's, yeah, he's yeah, it's great. I mean, um, I mean, I've, we've never really chatted or you know had an opportunity to, especially now that he's in Denmark. But on the other hand, that actually might be easier for me to meet him now more than in LA because we end up in near Denmark more often than we, we are in California. So, yeah, well that, I figured that. And, and the band is, has a really rather large or reputable fan base in Europe. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, we just did some Danish dates, uh, 
the end of uh, 2019. We did play Copenhagen and was that with Volbeat or was that on yeah. your own? Yeah, no, it was with Volbeat, and then we had we had a couple of Danish gigs, including the Aarhus gig uh, for this month. You know, no shit. So we were gonna. I have a like. That's another thing is when like I, when I take stock as to what what we lost out on during this isolation, the yeah. obvious things are all, it's all obvious. But then it's like oh, I could have met Tracy Guns this month. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will make sure that happens, my friend. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, he just seems like a pretty fun, solid guy. Like just you know reading his tweets and stuff. And then he was on Cameo. He's on Cameo now, so I plugged his Cameo profile and. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a nice new online friendship that's been struck through. I think you are are the mediator through it. So it's possible. It's it's definitely possible. I I I mean, I love Tracy to death, just as a friend alone, you know. And so it's cool when when you see that kind of like the power of social media. We're like, oh no, you know, this, Steve knows Jimmy. Oh, that's cool, you know, like yeah. <laughs> or it, whatever it is. No, it's 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 great. I think. Yeah, I, I, it's just been it's just been really really insane being on Twitter and then meeting all these other people you you would never have met in a million years or or like were, were able I I was ne I would never have been able to talk to Tracy Guns in any capacity whether it's a through text message or direct message or face to face if it weren't for Twitter. It's it's funny how that that social media has kind of led to that sort of stuff because I've got a ton of stories like that too where you're like, oh, well, yeah. now now I'm friends with you and we've never even fucking met, you know, or whatever. So, oh uh, yeah, like the best is London May from from Sam Hain, Sam and Hain. yeah, like he he messaged me once when I posted some sort of Sam Hain picture. Yeah, and I'm like, is this the real London? Who is this guy? Oh yeah, my god. A very sweet dude. Yeah, man. And then since then, you know, we did meet up, we did hang out, and you know, he invited me out to a Sam Haynes show when they did their last tour, and it's just been yeah, like and that's all from that was Instagram direct message, but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that yeah. all this stuff happens this way. I love I, I kinda love it though, because I'm sure you, you can relate. For me it's like I don't care what band I'm in or whatever it may be. I'm still just like still a super fan, you know, like, you know, I have this, you know, without getting a bucket to drop names into, like I'm fairly good friends with Doyle from the Misfits. Right. And, That's you know, amazing. that was childhood, yeah. I, you know, like hero. And, uh, you know, he messaged me about two weeks ago and was like, Hey, uh, can you send me some Mila t-shirts, like the t-shirt with my dogs, my pit bull on it? And I was like, yeah, dude, of course. And he's like, I want to wear this whatever red carpet event I do this year. And I'm like, dude, whatever you need, bro. You know? And he's like, all right, you stay healthy and take care. And I love you, man. And I'm like, I love you too, childhood icon. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I love, I love those kinds of stories. Yeah, me too. You know, it's like makes you feel good when you're like, man, that it, 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 not just the mutual respect bullshit, but like the fact that you, you're befriending people that you're a fan of, even with you, where you're like, man, not not only do I love your music, bro, but like, you're, it's like, wow, you're a really, you're a cool guy, or we can chat, or we're friendly, or you become pals with somebody, whether it's some Twitter shit or or backstage at you know Grass Pop or whatever the hell it is. But it's always nice to take away that. For me, at least, and I'm sure a lot of people, when you go like, oh, besides just being a fan of whatever band it is, you're like, you know, you're a fan of that person as a human being, too. Yeah, and I, I especially like it when uh, we've both done this to each other on Twitter where we've defended the other person when, yes, there's been yes, some, yeah. <laughs> when there's been some sort of like, I don't know, some bot or troll who's going after them. So <laughs> that's always nice, too. <laughs> Yeah, and Tony Higby and Tracy Guns both are are similar too. I'll see them chime in to be like, "Are you a, what are you fucking retarded or whatever?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the last one I did was Ricky Rackman. Oh He's, my god, is this the trap <laughs> thing? Yes, yes, <laughs> that guy came after me. No way! Yeah, I didn't know that. But it was my fault because I was just replying to someone's tweet, 
and I didn't realize that I had included the trapped guy in the tweet. I didn't oh. mean to. Yeah, that guy's off his meds, man. But it was like six minutes later he replied to it. Yeah. And I just deleted the tweet because I'm like, well, I'm not scared of you. I just don't want this unneeded feud because, you know, there's two other guys in my band and they don't even care about this band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. So I just deleted it. But when Ricky was, you know, going back and forth with him, I did, you know, send him a, a tweet going, you know, this guy's like blah, blah, blah. But this time, the second time, I didn't, I didn't include him in the tweet. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, I've gone to bat, and, and I say this you know, with all due respect, I've gone to bat for Ricky a couple times, and, and the reason being is that, you know, n this isn't Hollywood jargon, but in all reality, Ricky's probably one of my closest, best friends in the fucking world. Like, take a bullet for him, like, fly out there, stay at his house, go screw around town in North Carolina or whatever, you know, dicking around in Texas, wherever the hell we end up. Uh, linking up i held the two of us flew out to see the misfits in uh philly just be, doyle was like yeah come on out i was like ricky we're going to see the misfits you know so when people when i catch wind of people be like oh it's a washed up headbangers ball guy i'm like listen motherfucker i will find out where you live and i will have dog shit <laughs> your house for the next year don't yeah. fuck with friends yeah, I feel that way too. Um, I have, I mean, he's Ricky's another guy, kind of like Tracy, where, um, like I've I've known about Ricky, like uh, since I was, you know, getting into music, and yeah. and you know he's he's not on MTV as a as the Headbangers Ball guy, but I remember that. I remember him. I remember uh, the Metal Years, and I remember the Cat House with Tammy, and I remember everything he said and it just blew me away and then i think i don't know how it was maybe it was a tweet or on instagram he mentioned our band and i freaked out man i <laughs> i told the other guys i'm like you know ricky rockman he just tweeted like he i don't know what he said but um and then and then we kind of connected online and direct messaged each other and that's someone else who like i'm hoping to meet but i think Right when we did kind of connect, he moved to yeah. another state, right? Yeah, he moved to North Carolina. Right. So, like, when we, you know, got to L.A., I'm like, I know Ricky Rockman now. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's, dude, he's a big fan, too, you know. I don't remember how we got on it, but, uh, well, he, I don't know if I even should say it, but he was going to hit you up about doing, like, a private gig kind of thing, right? Yeah, he did hit me up. Yeah, yeah, because he was, he you know, whatever, I'm not going to get into it, but maybe however many months ago, he was like, he called me as he does frequently. And I don't answer the phone for anyone. Okay. But always, always for Ricky. And, and he's like, bro, do you think if I asked Danko to do this thing, do you, th do you think he'd say, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not his booking agent. Just hit him <laughs> up, dude. Like up until this whole thing happened, I was still yeah. entertaining the idea of, well, if I, if we can't do it, maybe I can fly down there and do it. But well, th this whole thing just ruined everything, so... Yeah. When I'm not touring is I do, periodically I do voiceover work. Oh, and wow. So, which is... You've got a great voice, man. Thank you. Yeah, so it's like, I appreciate that. It's something I've been like sort of casually pursuing for about 10 years. And only, I've picked up a couple things. Like I've got three shows on, on Netflix. And actually, well, the two. And the third one I was in the middle of, uh, it was in the middle of production. And we had to uh, sort of pause work because of this whole COVID thing. But there was this uh, push and pull email thread with um, the casting agent and the producer and the director. We're, we're stopping work for the time being, but we'll circle back in two weeks. And then they came back and they're like, how would you feel if uh, if it was just you and an engineer and the engineer's in the control room and you don't see anyone? I'm like, it's fine. And they're like, okay. And I was like, okay. So am I going back to work or what? And then they're like, we'll circle back in two weeks. And then they came back and they're like, okay, so how would you feel if we brought you over 
studio quality recording system to your home. And I'm like, sure, just get me back to work, you know? Yeah. But, uh, and then that went sort of tits up, if you will. And so now I'm in the next phase of where are we going next? But, uh, that, uh, seeing how, again, studio, how do you, you know, self, uh, quarantine and, or social distance, you know, especially as a band or, or even, even just coming in as a voice actor, you know, and just sort of, you know, you're like, is this microphone clean? Can I talk? Can I put my mouth near this? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think, I mean, I use alcohol swabs for that. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm using someone else's mic, that's not mine. Uh, I would do that. You can do that. Um, but I would think one of the jobs in the entertainment industry would be voiceover work that would be saved because as long as the productions are already done and edited and everything, yeah, you're yeah. like kind of the cherry on top, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, especially the, the gig I'm talk, talking about, dubbing job for a foreign uh, series. And oh. so... Um, so it was sort of like I'm just sort of talking over, uh, you know, it's like Mystery Science Theater 3000, except they're trying to sync up my voice, you know. What are the uh, yeah. shows, the Netflix shows that have, you, or how, can you say? I I can, yeah. So uh, season one of a show called Marianne on Netflix is a French horror type show. It's very Stephen King esque. I really recommend it. It's really fucking. It's terrifying. Um, I'm a character named Pierre on uh, the first season. And when they brought me in, I'm the lead's boyfriend. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is I'm like, fuck, yeah, this is a real role. And then the director's like, nah, actually, I don't think you come back And uh, after the first episode. <laughs> and I was like, well, there goes that. And then uh, there's a show called Money Heist that I think is on its fourth. Oh, yeah, the sp- from Spain. Yes, and I'm a bunch of voices on that. Actually, I'll send it to you later, but there's a on Apple TV, I think – when you go to Netflix, do you have Netflix, I assume? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know when you just sort of scroll over a show and, and it automatically starts showing you the, tr- the trailer? Yes. Yes. So the other day, uh, the trailer, I've scrolled by the trailer for Money Heist, and all, and the, there are two voices in it in like a 30-second trailer, and they're both me. And I was like, oh, that's surreal. <laughs> but uh, – that's to be frank that's what i want to do so like if someone and i really want to do animation so if someone called me and said hey we're casting you for season 56 of family guy uh, but you got to quit the rock and roll shit i'd be like where do i sign up yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's your exit strategy yeah i mean that's yeah, you know eventually you know we are all gonna have to figure out something else to do i mean unless you're you know like metallica or whatever yeah i think um that is a dream job to have. I mean, I've heard guys like the the top dudes, all they do is they go in once a week into their home studio and send it out into the ether and that's it. That's it, right? Yeah, the new uh the new the newest LA Guns EP we dropped in December, it was all like covers just for fun for the holidays. Uh had William Shatner on it, which it, presuming you haven't heard is hysterical. Oh, I gotta and, check that out. And uh, I'll send you over. Do you have Do you have Spotify or anything like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll grab it from there. Yeah, grab it from there. It's called the the what is it, another Christmas in Hell? I think. And uh, <laughs> it, it's a play on a song title on the the last record, which is the Devil You Know. But um, so so Bill Shatner uh, introduces the album, and it's great. But that's all he does now is he occasionally he'll drop a record. And then uh, he'll do voiceover and, you know, the whatever Geico commercial or whatever the hell it yeah, is or yeah. whatever, something like that. And uh, there's just it's it's there's just buco bucks in it, man. So it's not it's not even that something that I'm like trying to chase the financial aspect. But I'm just like, what can I do to survive when I stop touring or or currently like now, like I, I'm surviving off all my side hustle and. You know, I've got a Patreon for like diehard fans, which has been great, and then voiceover work. So I'm just kind of putting my nose to the grindstone and trying to, you know, survive. Well, what's what's the work that you do with uh, Pitbulls? Because I know that you're following your Twitter, <clears throat> you're very active 
in like, yeah I find that like because we had a we had our old our old uh, webmaster he uh, he had pit bulls and it having a pit bull I feel isn't like just having another dog it's a it's a real commitment people who have pit bulls are like really into pit bulls yeah it's definitely like a, it's like being in like <laughs> I feel like it's like being like a biker like a bike club um, you know it it. You know, first of all, if you're going to have a large dog, I don't care what the breed is. Um, you know, you got to be responsible with your pet. So there's that. But the thing is, is that the pit bull types, um, and depending who you ask or where your your region is, is a, a series of breeds. Uh, pit bull is is a type. It's like saying you're from Europe. Um, it's like, well, where Spain? You know, Germany, uh, Austria. So right, um, right. According to the AKC, there's five breeds that are included including the uh, american staffordshire terrier which is what my dog is and then you've got american pitbull terrier you've got an english pitbull terrier and so on and so forth but um they're really the one of the great traits in all these dogs is that they're so uh people friendly they're eager to please and which can be um work against them because if the wrong people teach them or don't socialize them or whatever it may be uh you know teach them to do uh, the wrong thing which is you know whether it's a junkyard dog or to attack other yeah dogs or whatever they will do that because they're so ingrained in their dna that you know you're my owner and you're my person and you want me to do this so i'm going to do it right you know and so um but if you teach them you know to be social and love and be you know a household pet like my dog is you know she's a i've never met a sweeter dog i mean she's the literally like this little angel. So it's interesting though, cause you know, the, they've been maligned in the press over the last 20, 25 years. And, you know, without getting into like super me lecturing about, um, pit bull types and the whole plight of that type of dog, um, more often, you know, it's like for every negative news article, there's another 6 million dogs that just were being somebody's pet, you know? Right. Right. So, um, there's that, but I just, it's mostly, I'm just an advocate. I think there's occasionally I'll run into this misconception that I have like my own rescue or something like that. And although I wish I had the resources and time and financial aspect to do that, I, I don't, but, um, I do, uh, try to attend as many events as possible. I've spoken at a couple things. Um, there's a group, there's a rescue group, uh, a foundation called stand up for pits, that uh, I adore Rebecca Corey and her people are awesome. Uh, Linda Blair from the exorcist and, uh, Linda Blair's world heart foundation. She does a lot of pitbull stuff and it's so fucking surreal as a giant horror movie fan <laughs> to get, to get these text messages at three 30 in the morning and, and like bing bing. And I'm like, who's this? And it's Linda Blair. And she's like, Hey sweetheart, how are you? I just was wondering if you could share this, this pet for me in the, that's in uh, South Dakota. If you know anyone there, like, yeah, whatever you need, you know, Linda, so uh, similarly to the music thing, but uh, it, it's just another thing that I'm passionate about. That's you know outside of the whole sex, not drugs, and rock and roll thing. You know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Because you're. Um, I mean, you know, I've got a rescue dog too. Um, yeah. What kind of dog is he? He's a little guy, right? Yeah. He's a he's a mutt. He's like a half poodle, but we're not really sure of the other half because uh, you know he's a rescue dog found on the streets. There's been a few other breeds that may he may be, but who knows? But he's half poodle, that's for sure. Um, that's cool. And he was found on the streets of Mexico, and uh, they sent us photos of him when they like found him, like they, when they were giving him food to bring him back to the shelter, and yeah. he was in a bad state. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, he has his issues because he's a rescue dog. He hates other dogs. Yeah, um, I see so, that. I see that a lot. Yeah, like, you know, <clears throat> when we're walking them, it, people don't realize, you know, it's just, it reflects bad on, on whoever's walking them. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's, there's it just so much. And then he was attacked around here. That didn't help things. And, and now that, you know, with COVID-19, like, make sure he's away from other dogs completely. And we've noticed there's, like, a behavioral change with him. Like, he's more aggressive than usual. Really? Uh, yeah. But yeah. What, what can we do? 
you just got to be able to stay away and he doesn't yeah, understand again, it's, but... it, it all whether you've got a freaking chihuahua or a Delasso Opso, it's like uh, you just have to be a responsible pet owner. It's it's like anything in life, you know. So, yeah, he thinks he's tougher than he is. The, it, funny though, there was one time it was a pit bull. We were walking by and he started growling and he start and then the growls turned into barking and full on barking. The pit bull just looked at him and just one bark and he was spread eagle on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny and I, I was like, see. That's what happens, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you don't mess with, you know. But uh, you know, he's he's great with people, and and after a while, he'll warm up to any dog. But you know, it is what it, it is. Yeah, socializing, you know, it's that's critical, especially early on. And if you get a rescue where you don't know their history or whatever, you can't control any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, two trainers. We've been through two trainers. He, they're not allowing him to be trained with other dogs because he just goes ballistic when he gets like when he sees them. So they're just like, no, we're not. He, he can't. So it's got to be a one-on-one trainer. And yeah. There's been two well, so far, but you know. How old? How old is he? Uh they told. They said it was he was uh, six. Yeah, he may be. Uh, he may just be stuck in his ways. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. He looks like a puppy, but. He's like just a little dog. So okay, so let me ask you something, Danzig. Let like favorite Danzig record because I was adamant about getting this topic in the conversation at oh, some point somehow. Please crowbar it in. I'm always good for a Danzig. <laughs> talk, Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. Well, for me, it would be even though it's not my entry point. Um, number two, I I have always loved the most. Okay, Lucifuge, yeah, diverse yeah. record. Yeah, because I got in on number one. I was waiting for the first Danzig album to come out. It, I think it got delayed back in the day, and I was waiting and waiting, and finally came out, and I loved it. But when yeah. Lucifuge came out, I was just like. Oh, this is even better. What's your favorite album? Uh, I fucking I rotate. I don't. I I, I don't even know if I can pick one. Um, I'm gonna say right now, Danzig Four, which is almost sacrilege, but no. I'm saying that because uh, a buddy of mine just sent me, and just like yourself, I'm a record collector. Uh, Danzig Four came out in '94. And at that time, vinyl wasn't really so yeah. in vogue. So yeah. an original copy of Four is super hard to come by, right? Yeah. So he just sent me a copy, original pressing of Danzig Four. Oh, so wow. So I'm just pumped on it. But uh, normally my go-to record is the first hit. Yeah, first one is, is yeah, that would be my second choice. But like Lucifuge 2, man, when I got that, and I bought it on cassette like the week it came yeah. out. And I remember popping it on into my Walkman <laughs> and walking yep. down the street downtown Toronto. And man, when it kicked in, I was like, this is the best. <laughs> I just, I was like, yeah. those were the days, man, when you were so, your ears were so fresh and you just ate everything up. And um, so Lucifuge got me at, at a good time. Plus, I saw that tour. Oh, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, yeah, I won tickets. I saw that tour. Trouble opened up. And um, the one thing I remember about it was, and it was a school night, and yeah. I, I had to tell my mom, like, look, like, I won these tickets. I'm going, I got to go. <laughs> I, I won the tickets. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, I guess the road crew was openly handing out backstage passes to every girl, every good looking girl in the crowd. Like, it was so obvious to everybody in the venue. Wow. That's what I remember. And then I remember there was like a skinhead guy in the front and Danzig like popped him with his boot. He jumped off the stage and popped him with his boot. And wow. I was like, wow, this is really, this is really violent. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a little kid just going, wow, this is, I can't believe this stuff happens on school nights. <laughs> it's awesome. And then uh, Chuck Biscuits, his, his drum riser was like, Three times higher than any drum riser I've ever seen in my life. Wow. 
Yeah. 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 It had to be at the height of the uh, the Bullwinkle skull. Yeah. Was that? Did they have that on stage then? I can't remember that. I just remember the drum riser being so high. Um, you know, John Christ and Erie, they looked, they had a similar look, and it was just perfect, man. Everything yeah. about that first lineup. Oh, oh, my God. You can't touch that with anything. No. I, st- I still revere that look. And and while I've got that bucket with the name-dropping Doyle story, I got to become friends with John Christ. Holy cow. And between him and Doyle, there was a moment a couple years ago I was like, I was like, I think I'm done, man. I, I, I'm with my, I think I, I think I need to get out now. <laughs> but uh, I, I, not to interrupt the story, but you'll you'll dig this. So a guy sends me a link about five years ago. He goes, Hey, weren't you looking for some road cases? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, Well, check these out. And he sends me this link on Craigslist, and it's some dude selling a bunch of Danzig cases. And I was like, Huh. So I write the guy. I go, Hey, do you still have? these cases and it was it was two marshall cubes that each hold two cabinets and a rolling like toolbox like for like a guitar tech right yeah and the guy writes me back he goes yeah he goes i'm out in the high desert and i'm trying to get rid of this stuff for a friend and uh you know here's what we're looking for price wise for for each piece and i said i'll take all of it and he goes okay so i drive up there i've got my drummer from pussycat and his big truck and we go up there and he's way out in the sticks, man, out in the desert. And I get out there and I go, and I, you know, without getting into numbers and what I'm buying and what else he goes. So I got, he, he goes, I've got all these cabinets too. Do you, you interested in those? I said, well, how much, how much do you want for those two? And he goes, uh, he goes, well, I don't know. Let me call the owner. And so he calls John and the guy, you know, and he goes, he puts me on the phone with this guy and, and he's like, Hey man, this is John. It's all my gear. And I'm p- pretending like I don't know who the fuck he is, right? Because <laughs> I'm because I'm buying equipment. I'm not an idiot. And I and he, he goes, so uh, the four cabinets, the two cubes, and the rolling tech case. He goes, I don't know. How about how about twelve hundred bucks? And I was like, Whoa. I was like, yeah, dude. And I was like, all right. I was like, that sounds fair. And he goes, all right, cool, man. He goes, well, uh, good luck on your tour. And I said, yeah, thanks, man. He goes, well, what's your hey? By the way, what's your band called? I said, Faster Pussycat. And he goes shut the fuck up, like, tame me down? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, man, are you ever coming to Baltimore? I said, yeah, in a month. He goes, dude, I'd like to come to the show. And I was like, yeah. I was like, well, tell your friend who's selling the gear to give me your number, and we'll link up. So he he gives me his number, and and I buy the stuff, and I feel like I robbed a candy store, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and I, I text him, and we start zinging text back and forth. Oh, pardon the zing pun there. Steve, uh, but, uh, and, uh, and, um, and we be start to strike up a friendship. He comes to the show. He's telling me these stories about how he bought his first BC rich. Check it out from fucking Tracy guns in 1987, uh, while recording the first Danzig album. Wow. And, and he starts just telling me all these fucking stuff. I'd never heard as a diehard fan since I was 12. And I was like, okay, bro. I have some questions I need you to debunk. Cause I, and, and he was like, sure. And just sitting on, sitting in the front lounge of my bus, letting me fanboy. And he's, you know, he's retired. And so he was like, hey, do you think tonight I could come up and jam a song? And I'm like, Whoa, yes. Holy so, cow. so he got up, we did Mother, and my drummer sang it, and we killed it. And his guitar solo sounds just, it's like, just like the record. I'll send you a video, dude. It's, it was between being on stage with John and being on stage with Doyle and then becoming friends with both of them, I was like, dude, I think I'm, I think I need to quit while I'm ahead, bro. <laughs> and, uh, May, like I heard he does, he'll do studio work. Yeah, he does. And he teaches, but he, you know, to quote him, he's like, I'm just a farmer now. He's out in, in the sticks in Baltimore and he just teaches occasionally. And just, I think he just ha- owns a big farmhouse and just kind of does his own reclusive thing, man. Right. Yeah, well, you know, hey, why? I mean, he hit it with Danzig. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah, yeah. Well, he tried to get, come back a couple times. I think he did a solo record. Nothing really came from it. But I reached out. I, I gave him a call in December when I was out in North Carolina with Rackman because Ricky's a huge Danzig fan. Obviously, there's the whole history between Headbangers Ball and yeah, Glenn. Yeah. And, and we were talking about John. 
And he was like, man, I haven't talked to John since 1993. And I was like, let's call him. (laughs) (laughs) So we wished him a Merry Christmas. I was like, what planet am I living on right now where I'm with Rackman calling John Christ, wishing people Merry Christmas? Like, what the? That's pretty awesome. That is is why you and I got into this stupid shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> this is why, man. Like, it's it, yeah. it really is. Because when I have moments like that myself, I'm just like, oh, yeah, right. This is why. It's not lugging why. gear. It's because of this. This In is the show. And, and, and you're not making any money. <laughs> no but it's money. that. It's is. Let me know if I'm right here. It's that, man, my 16-year-old self would oh. shit his fucking pants right oh, now. Ab- oh, oh, man. That's only why. Really. Yeah. Yep. It's like I go straight back to those moments where, you know, I, I remembered all these guys and I, 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 I say to myself, wouldn't it be amazing if I could have just tapped myself on the shoulder and gone, you know, d- like, just keep at this. Yeah. Because yeah. one day, you know, that guy on stage and you were going to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's going to be awesome. If our younger selves only knew. Yeah. I mean, it, like, you know, you can obviously delve into our psyches or, 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 you know, our backgrounds or whatever. And, but to me, it's like when I meet some of these people who are in bands, there's, um, there's, uh, cause I think, I think rock and roll attracts outsiders, you know, absolutely like, dude. So this, so when we do kind of meet up with these p- kinds of people, kinds of people, meaning from our past and, and in, in and they welcome us in it is kind of like you are entering, you're finally being validated or you're being, you know, knighted or being into the, you're accepted into the club. Yeah. And so that's how it, that's how I feel, you know, and, and you and can analyze great, me and all you want, but I know that's what and it what is. And what a great feeling that is too, right? You know, like you're oh, like, wow, man. you know, and this it's, guy was, I had this guy's posters on my walls or yeah. whatever the hell it is. And you're like. There's like, been, hey, bro, you want to go get a beer? Sure. You know, okay. There, there's been, I can't, I can't lie. There's been some people that have disappointed me, like oh. that I had hanging up on my, po- my wall to the Same. point, you know, but I still listen to their band and I try to separate it. But, you know, our experiences together sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's that. But then the, more times than not, it's been amazing. Absolutely. You know, even if they were just being nice, that's all I wanted. But then there's been the times, like you're saying, like you're you're in this, you know, in between Ricky and John Christ, and it's just like that. For me, I feel exactly like you're feeling. Like, what is, what is this, man? This is amazing. Before high school, I was still in middle school, and I didn't under. There weren't cliques yet. Nobody had segregated into the punks and the goths and the metalheads. And I liked Megadeth, but I also liked the Beach Boys and I liked the Eagles, but I also really liked the Dead Kennedys and the Misfits. I just liked what I liked. And uh, I, I I missed the whole Kiss thing, but very akin to all my friends that were obsessed with Kiss when they were younger, I was obsessed with the Misfits. Like, I had a devil lock past my chin. I had... A, a jacket with spikes on the shoulders. And I was in middle school. I was like 12 or 13 years old. I was a little boy. And so I showed Doyle this photo of me from like eighth grade. And he goes, tell your mom I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That's and, awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm at this dinner and it's uh, it was the Alice Cooper band and some of the guys from Kiss. And I'm being introduced to everybody and they're like, Oh, this is my boyfriend Ace. And everyone's like, Ace, huh? Like I roll. <laughs> like, yeah, you're sitting with half of Kiss. Okay, <laughs> Ace, you fucking jag off. Which by the way, my nickname or now stage name had nothing to do with Ace Freely. Um, it was just a nickname as a new guy in a band when I was nineteen. And oh, and some other nonsense, but whatever. But uh <laughs> man, I, I don't know. I, that's probably enough, you know. It's great when you play a great show and you play a big show or you do that. And those are, I mean, that's, it's amazing. And the applause and the, the, you know, the, you know, the, the night and everything, it's great. But really for me, it's, it's just like, oh, so-and-so, I I heard that so-and-so liked our, like when I heard that, you know, when I saw that Tracy tweeted me or 
Like I was that to me is is the roar uh, equals the roar of like ten thousand people at a festival. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it's really. I mean, that's really what it's all about for me. I'm just such a fan of all all these bands and yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a, it's a weird thing, but. I know there's other people who are in bands who it is the roar of the crowd. It is the shows and it yeah. is, but it's also like, I, I don't know. I lose my head when, you know, so-and-so said we were cool. Yeah. I, I, I take away a lot more from that too. The, the show and the crowd and the, that kind of stuff is, is a great, but it's a very fleeting thing for me too. Like I, I get that like post gig crash where like at four in the morning i'm like fuck but you know something like you know yeah whoever it is someone i'm a fan of having a good conversation with or or a twitter exchange or a, someone sending me a text like hey bro just uh was thinking about you or you know whatever it is uh you know in the course of this conversation uh fred Corey from cinderella just texted me you know, and that, that was like, oh, that's sweet. You know, like that kind of thing. It's like, I take way more away from that in the long term than uh, having a killer show because, it, you know, they come and they go. That's crazy because Fred just liked one of my tweets like a few days ago. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, it can't be the same Fred from yeah. Cinderella. And it sure, yeah. it sure was. I've, um, got a, I've got a Cinderella story for you here real quick. Uh, oh, yeah. So we did... With Pussycat, we did the Monsters of Rock cruise, which we've done all of them now to this point. And uh, Tom Kiefer got really ill and was unable to perform. So they decided to do a Cinderella and Friends, right? So they got like Jeff Keith up from Tesla and Lita Ford and just whoever the fuck, right? Tammy got up and sang a song. And they were, and I'm standing on the side of the stage, and I was supposed to play guitar on a song, and I don't remember what it was, but it, they cut it from the set because of obviously the sort of jam aspect of the gig right and uh at one point eric brittingham and these guys keep in mind these guys are all like buddies of mine now because of the genre of bands i play in but uh and the a, a lot of the bands from that era i'm not a fan of and so but one of the bands i do love and always liked and respected was cinderella and so i'm standing there and eric the bass player runs off stage like something was wrong and we later on were joking that we thought he like shit his pants or something and he had ripped a fingernail off of his hand. And so he had gone running to the bathroom. And the stage manager, uh, Gene, who's an, also a buddy, he goes, uh, we got to fucking get – it's been like three minutes. People are getting restless. We got to get through this. Does anyone know uh, somebody save me on bass? And I was like, I do. <laughs> and so here's my Fred – the Fred story. So it starts with this drum beat or whatever, and I walk out there, and Fred looks over at me, he goes, and he's drumming, and he goes, what the fuck are you doing up here? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't, I have no clue. And so I just kick in with the song, and we rocked it, and uh, and that was the one five-minute window where I was kind of sort of in Cinderella. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, now, was he okay with his, with his fingernail? Yeah, he's fine. He came back with his hand all bandaged up and did the last, like, two or three songs or whatever it was. But we all were like, what the hell happened, man? And I guess he had uh, done something and ripped his fingernail off on his picking hand, so he took off to deal with that. Well, I love Cinderella. I, you know, correct me if you if you disagree but i feel like if there's a drummer and a guitar player and you're all playing like live music i'm like okay we're good you know like yeah it's like if you're a rock band i don't care if it's 21 pilots i think that's what they're called or whatever that you know it's like pick people pick on nickelback so much or whatever i'm like hey man what's good for nickelback is good for foo fighters what's good for foo fighters is good for motorhead what's good for motorhead is good for danko jones it's like just it's all rock and roll like let's not yes split hairs here yeah I, I mean we're we're such a minority now in terms of you know what gets exposed to in terms of you know what gets played or aired or anything it's it's just great to know that there's rock bands out there <laughs> yeah 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 and it, fortunately there's still some bands that you know from our generation and on up or re, more recently that are still retaining rock star status like i'm always constantly impressed with how on top of things green day is you know i mean i yeah i remember when dookie came out you know i was a kid yeah so and now they're still just as 
prevalent as ever. And same thing with Foo Fighters and, and stuff like that. It's, it's like, you know, whatever, man. It's all rock and roll. Let's just keep it going. Yeah.